All right, young ones, here's your chance. If you're going upstairs, now's your time. Otherwise, you're going to be here with the message with us, with the adults. Quick, go, go. Time is running out. So it is, uh, it is my pleasure to be here with you this morning. Most of you I know, I am Jason Ashley. I'm the pastor at our sister church in Balfour. Uh, Jeff and I, we are switching today. A uh, thing that we used to do much more commonly, much more regularly, but with COVID and stuff after that. Anyways, uh, I'm grateful to be here with you. So many of you, uh, we have been in ministry in this community for years. So it is good to be here. This morning is Thanksgiving weekend, and so I'm going to be teaching some about, uh, about giving thanks and talking some about how it is a consistent teaching throughout Scripture, teaching throughout the New Testament. One of them, Julia, if you'll help me, is uh, Ephesians 5, 19 to 21, especially verse 20. Click it one more time. Thank you. Uh, talking about giving thanks or Colossians. Uh, the next one, Julia. And talking some about twice in this passage, it talks about being thankful. Uh, not to mention First Thessalonians. Julie, if you could hit that one. And um, this is actually probably the first letter. And it's, again, there is giving thanks here. Julie, if you'd hit the next one, please. When talking about uh, gratitude, it can be sometimes, I don't know if you expect it, but I think I do, is expecting a, a pep talk. Uh, and what I mean by that is it can be really tempting uh, there are New Testament passages, they often read like commandments. They're often the imperative, which is, you know, do this. And so they say, be grateful or give thanks. And sometimes we need someone to tell us that. We need to be reminded that we should be grateful. Even when things are difficult, we need someone who will say, be grateful. You should be grateful. The other direction that we often go, especially in our culture, is... Um, we start thinking about or encourage each other to realize how good we have it. To realize all the things, all the ways that God has been faithful in our lives, the things that he's provided, the ways he's come through. And we say, and it's somewhat a bit of a guilt thing of saying, be grateful. And we think, man, I should really be grateful. And so we go through our list of things. This is a common practice. Has anybody done this around your Thanksgiving table? Go around and say, everyone give one thing. Uh, that you're grateful for, or depending how keen your family is. Maybe they say give five things that your family is, that each of you are grateful for. This morning, I'm after a different species of gratitude. This morning, I'm not really interested in the gratitude that you feel, like the gratitude you feel when you uh, avoid an accident in traffic, when you're driving down the highway and you realize that your life was just spared and you feel grateful. I'm not after that. I'm not after the gratitude you feel um, when you get the exact gift that you wanted. Uh, some of us, you know, like your birthday uh, or even just a surprise. You're like, oh, I've been wanting this. I'm so grateful. I'm not talking about that sort of gratitude that you feel. Not even the gratitude you feel when everything feels perfect in the world. You know, when you're living life and it seems like all the things are falling into place and you just think, man, I'm just so grateful. I'm not after the gratitude you feel today. I'm after more elusive game. This morning, I'm after the gratitude that you practice. The Christian way 
the gratitude, the grateful way, the gratitude that we practice, the gratitude that we cultivate in our life, like a garden, that we weed out the ingratefulness or the, the times when we're ungrateful. We till the soil, we keep giving thanks, we keep practicing it. The gratitude we practice when life is good and we feel grateful, and the gratitude we practice when life feels numb. The gratitude we practice when life is hard. The gratitude we practice when the last thing you feel is grateful. God has been growing gratitude in me. Um, This is into the eighth year now. I've been practicing gratitude. For me, not so much out of virtue, but out of survival. Uh, It was the morning of June 24th. Tracy and I were just talking about this in 2015. It was seven in the morning. The doctor called Tracy, my wife. Uh, many of you know my wife, Tracy, um, and just told her, uh, Mrs. Ashley, uh, we've got your biopsy back and you have cancer. It is a, melan- uh, is a carcinoma. Um, that year, 2015, from, from June, uh, clear until April, well, actually past that even, but uh, April of 2020, uh, 2016, when Tracy had completed all of her surgeries and her treatments, um, it was a year filled with angst, with, for me, fear and sorrow. And after she completed all of her treatment, it would have, um, I was terrified. <laughs> it's hard for me to explain. Like, I, it was a constant thought. I could not get rid of it, the fear of what happens if she dies. What will it be like to live without her? We had two boys at the time. Uh, uh, my youngest son, Shannon, was five. Corbin was seven. And I was thinking, like, how would I raise these boys without her? It was a constant. I didn't even know. I don't know. Maybe some of you had an experience similar uh, with someone you love when you've gone through cancer or, or some other life-threatening disease. Um, it was just constant. I couldn't shut it off. I was constantly thinking about and worrying about her. Uh, as a person, I tend to live in the future versus some people live in the past. Uh, some people live, have a, a good practice of living in the present. But I have this deep-seated, I don't know, it's partly who I am and partly some of the things that have happened in my life, this deep-seated concern to prepare for the future, to think about what might be coming and to prepare, to put stuff away, to, to be smart, to, to be ready for it. Um, And with cancer, that's a bad combination. To live in the future and to be constantly worried about preparing for it, especially when you think it might be terrible. But a few years ago, it was actually a couple years after Tracy's treatment, um, she was realizing it in me, and and I was was realizing it too, that this was was a problem. She was, Tracy was wanting to begin the conversation again about adopting uh, kids. Because we had once, when Tracy went into uh, treatment, uh, we were actually matched with a child, a little boy from Florida. And uh, when we told them that she had been diagnosed with breast cancer, they said it would probably be best at this point if, if we find a, a different family for this boy. So we not only did Tracy go through cancer, but we lost a child. Um, we still hang an uh, ornament on our tree. Uh, we were going to name him Emmett. Um, 
and we still <laughs> see that each Christmas. Um, but so it was years after that, Trace was saying, saying, I don't, I think we should still do this. I still feel called to adopting. And I was terrified. I was thinking, Tracy, I, h- how could we do this? I mean, you might not, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking you might not even be here to help me raise them. And you want to have more children with our two boys. And she was telling me, and the doctors had said too, I had to constantly remind myself, as the doctors said, you know, as clinically speaking, you know, her chances of survival in five years, which I'm thinking, who cares? I mean, really five years, that's your ultimate. <laughs> it was five years, like in the 90% and said in 10 years, it was still above 90% because of how successful her treatment was. And so we began meeting with a counselor. Um, many of you know Abby Napora when she lived here. She met with Tracy and I, and she was talking with me. And she was helping me realize that I was hearing this lie on repeat uh, in my own mind. This tape that, would, that just kept saying, what if she dies? What if she dies? What will you do if she dies? And Abby speaking some truth to me, and also for me to recount the truth that I knew and to begin giving thanks that my wife was alive right now. There were things that uh, throughout the course of Tracy's treatment that I sensed God or I realized God was speaking to me. One of them uh, was when the doctor said, like, her survival rate is quite high, like the, the treatment was successful. We've there's been no evidence of cancer after all of her treatment, treatments. So there's that. Different people, in my own sense, like times of praying, of realizing. And, and it's really hard. We live in a secular time where it's really hard to trust that. Where we're kind of, I mean, everyone else around us is skeptical. And sometimes even we can become skeptical of, God, did you, did you really say that? Am I projecting? Am I making stuff up? But I had to keep reminding myself that God, to speak this truth to myself, that God had spoken to me and to others that Tracy would be okay. And it's been eight years ago now, and those of you who know my wife, (laughs) she is well, she is healthy, she still amazes me. Uh, I mean, even uh, having, all for all the fears I had about her, she still works circles around me. (laughs) Some of you know her and work with her, and she works circles around most people. but it was going through this process that I realized that I had this choice to be grateful, to live in the uncertainty of the future, to be worried about a future that I had very little control over, or to be grateful and live in the richness of right now. That was Abby's, one of the things that she helped me with was rather than, because I would often, there'd be something beautiful would happen. I would think of, I mean, sometimes I'd see just even something as simple as seeing Tracy, like the boys would crawl up into her lap and she'd be sitting there, and it'd be a sunny morning. She'd be drinking her coffee. And my first thought was, I'm going to miss this when she dies. Rather than, I am so grateful that she is alive right now. Do you hear the difference? I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but I was thinking every time I would see something, rather than being grateful for what I'd seen or what was happening, I would immediately feel sad because I knew I would miss this moment later in the future. For, um, I've, I don't know if any of you have read Ann Voskamp's book, uh, A Thousand Gifts. Um, I have loved that book. I have read it um, 
a few times. And I'm thankful for Anne and how she speaks of, and for me at least, many, for, actually I think for many people, has uncovered this thankful way, this way of living with gratitude. She wonders that what if giving thanks is the secret? What if the thankful way is actually the way to life more full? I mean, we know more money, more stuff is not necessarily the way to life more full. Often it can be to life pretty difficult. But what if giving thanks was this way? What if giving thanks was a way to set down hurt and disillusionment, frustration, and to be grateful? And to migrate God's love from theology that we know in our head to reality that we know in our heart. Now, I don't know, I mean, how many of you have given thought to gratitude and thankfulness like this? Um, if there's any expectation on a Thanksgiving Sunday, it's probably for like a Hallmark Sunday, Hallmark um, card type of sermon. You know, it's good to be thankful or five reasons why you think, why I, we should be thankful. Or maybe, maybe you strolled in this morning and your mind, are on, mind is on other things. And maybe you're here just thinking like, you know, I'm just, I've got to finish and listen to this because I've got other stuff I need to do today. I've got people coming for dinner. Or maybe you're just hoping to hear something good because you're barely hanging on today. And as to this situation, I'm wondering, what if gratitude is the secret to life more full right now? What if gratitude made this hard life not easy, but good? What if gratitude, not the fleeting feeling of it when everything seems to go right, but the long, faithful practice of it was the holy grail, the secret to life more full? The life Jesus provides in some degree here, but ultimately one day when we stand face to face with him. In her book, 1,000 Gifts, Anne hunts the scriptures looking for gratitude. She finds it, to her surprise, and to my realization, all over. But she begins with her, or she focuses on uh, her reflection on the Last Supper. That was one of her reflections, one of her um, studies of that text or realizations of that text that grabbed me. Listen to this. Uh, I encourage you just, I mean, I know, I mean, if you want to open your Bibles, it's Luke chapter 22, verse 14. But I would also encourage you to just listen as well. So this is what it says. This is what Luke tells us. He says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, This cup, sorry, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, and after he'd given thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, remembering me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. 
So he said, this cup is a new covenant of my blood. And then he goes on to speak. And he says, but the hand of him who is going to betray me is with me or with mine at the table. The Son of Man will go just as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who could do this. Julia, if you'd put on the text. Okay, this one here, thank you. Um, you don't need to read that. I'm going to point some things out here in a minute. Jesus is giving thanks in the midst of trouble. So often I overlook that. I don't know, if maybe you guys have picked that up or think about that regularly, but... This is the night that Jesus was betrayed, and he knows it. This is the night that Judas would betray him, and he knows it. He knows that what is waiting for him, the suffering, the cross, the death, the sacrifice. And yet he still begins to, he begins to talk, or still talks about being grateful. Uh, Julia, if you could hit one more. And, and he's even sharing this meal with Judas, who would betray him. Julia, could you put that one? He knows that the hand of him who's going to betray him is with him. And in the middle of this, Jesus gives thanks. Julia, if you would. Thank you. Now, see, I've missed it. Oftentimes, I think about the ways that we give thanks at a meal, um, or can, or we often do. It's kind of something you just do. It's almost like obligatory. Uh, you just think, oh, we're getting ready to eat, so we should give thanks, and and oftentimes you genuinely mean it, but it's a practice that you have not welling up from inside you of gratitude. But I think, what if it wasn't habit for Jesus in this moment, but genuine? Or what if it was his habit that made it all the more genuine? Sometimes we think, oh, if you do something too many times, you begin to take it for granted. And, and that can be true. That's often true. But also, there is times when you do something, I think about communion, even as I was speaking the words of, of institution and when the bread and the cup, as I was speaking those to you, I have said those words, it feels like thousands of times over the years. And each time it's, it's like adding a layer of meaning to it, not diminishing it, but rather adding meaning to it. This last meal, Jesus might be savoring each bite and giving thanks because he knows what's happening in a few hours and the next day. And so he's literally grateful for this meal that he's sharing with the disciples. This morning, we have Jesus giving thanks in the middle of struggle. Julia, if you'd hit it one more. If we will cultivate gratitude, it will crowd out the weeds of life. It will crowd out the weeds of shallow life, the kind of life where we live too fast, where we try to squeeze too many um, good, even important events or experiences into life. I, I am guilty of this myself, where we think, oh, I've got Two hours here on this day, I think I could squeeze in that three-hour thing. Sure. And we do it again, or at least I do it again and again and again, and I feel convicted, and I talk with people how wrong it is, how, how damaging it is to me, and then the next day I do it again. We can live this shallow life where we get self-absorbed, focusing on the future and what we want, 
what we want next. Again, guilty, Lord God, please forgive me. Trying to gather more and more to make sure that we always have more than enough. We struggle with that. We join our culture to squeeze, try and squeeze every last experience in because people around us in our secular world think like, I've only got this one life. So I might as well get as much living in as I can and then we fall for it too or get dragged along with it. <laughs> I mean, just think of like uh, soccer, for example, those of you who've had kids in soccer. When I was growing up, I played soccer. It was on Saturday morning and a practice or two in the week. Now, if you want to play soccer, it's, it can go year round. I mean, you're not even finishing the fall season and they start talking to you about, about indoor then you start finish up indoor and they're saying spring and over the summer there's camps and then there's tournaments that go Friday to Sunday. <laughs> Our culture is increased. It's moving more and more stuff. There's always something to be done. The thankful way can keep us appreciating the present. If we're continuing to give, continuing to give thanks. We might have to slow down and purposely, consciously choose to do less. I'm trying to do that myself. I would encourage all of us in that. But also giving thanks in what we're doing. It can crowd out the weeds of entitlement that we struggle with. Giving thanks undoes our entitlement. That a certain type of life is owed us. I know when you listen to commercials, they're going to tell you you deserve it. <laughs> And they're going to tell you there's a certain type of life that everyone is entitled to. It is a lie to make you buy more stuff. It is not true. Gratitude will help us see that and to realize it for ourselves that we aren't entitled, that everything is a gift from God. It can make us appreciate. Gratitude can make us generous, grateful for what we have. I can speak about these things because I struggle with them a lot myself. These things that I know, I'm like, oh, we've got a lot of that. And then there's this, back, this voice in the back of my mind, like, oh, but I love that so much. And but being grateful for it, we can share it. It's impossible to appreciate something, to give thanks for it, and at the same time, take it for granted. And there's a lot of taking for granted in our culture, in our lives. Being grateful can also get us through or get us around resentment. Gratitude undoes resentment for things that didn't work out, things that were painful, or loss, or betrayals. Without gratitude, we will view our not quite happy yet as a betrayal. I see it in our culture. You know, people, we get promised that you're supposed to have this sort of life. This is the good life. And when it doesn't work out, it becomes really easy to become resentful. God, why didn't you provide what, I guess, what the marketing companies said we should have? <laughs> Without gratitude, we can view our not quite as happy as I thought I would be at this point as betrayal. We live in a culture consumed with happiness as an inalienable right. From the time kids are bombarded with 
um, with it. I mean, I remember growing up, it's a bit different now uh, with streaming, which is a whole nother sense of amazing things that kids, I talk with my kids about commercials and Saturday morning cartoons. They have no idea what I'm talking about. They're just like, I don't know, I just watch cartoons whenever I want to. <laughs> and you don't have to sit through commercials anymore. But man, I was, I was, I was groomed from a young age <laughs> to never be happy with what I had and constantly want more. To, to, to find the things I never even knew I needed and then realize how badly I needed them. My poor mom. And when it's thin on the ground, when blessing or what we want is thin on the ground, resentment becomes a powerful temptation. Now, I could resent Tracy's cancer. I could be angry with God. Lord, the years, and I'm saying this, this is not actually how I feel. I want to be clear about that. But there, it could, I think there could be people or there could be a temptation to think, Lord God, I'm angry for the years that I lost when she wasn't healthy, when it was hard. Or like that boy, Emmett, that we were wanting to adopt. There were real losses and I could be angry with God. And yet giving thanks at very least holds the resentment at bay. And I can speak from my own experience, dissolves it altogether. I don't resent God. I don't even resent the time when Tracy was going through treatment. Now it's true. I think God does want us to be happy, but more than that, he wants us to be holy. I think that is important for us to hear. God wants us to be happy. That's true. He is a good father, but more than that, he wants us to be holy. And from my experience at least, and I would say the experience of our Christian brothers and sisters over 2,000 years. Holiness, it can come in happiness, that's true. But it grows so much better going through difficult things. In my experience, some of the best growth towards holiness has come through pain and loss. It is by far more common to meet God there, or at least to realize that God is there, than in the good times. I think when we are at the end of ourselves, when we are thinking, I, there, I don't know what way or how to get through this, I think God is, that is the perfect time. That is when God is so eager to come in and be involved. When we've got it all figured out, when things keep going so well, even if God is there, I don't know about you, but it's so easy for me to not even realize. <laughs> but when things are difficult, God is there. It's not that we can't, learn when things are good. It's just really hard to do. When we give thanks, even loss becomes rich soil in which we grow. I know it sounds weird, but to give thanks in the middle of struggle, not for the pain, but for the good in the midst of the pain. And for the faith-born hope that God will redeem it, even the hardest things of our life. God will redeem it. He will not waste it. And we will grow more holy as followers of Jesus for having endured it. So how do we do it? Just a few ideas. One first is follow Jesus. For those of you who are, if there's anyone here this morning who's still not sure about Jesus or about this life of faith, I want to encourage you. 
to follow Jesus. He makes gratitude in hard things real and good and redemptive. Without him, I think resentment is a viable option. (laughs) Without Jesus, it could seem almost like denial or stupid (laughs) to give thanks in hard things without Jesus. But with him, it starts to make sense. I'm not talking about self-help here. I'm saying stay close to Jesus. I'm not just saying give thanks because that will help, though I think it would even for a person who had no interest in following Jesus. I think being grateful would help. But gratitude to someone is very different than gratitude generally. I was thinking about even a little bit of being grateful. Sometimes people are grateful to the universe Grateful to the universe for providing this thing. And, and I'm not trying to, um, to be uh, critical of other people's beliefs or faith. But for me, I can't really see how the universe really cares about us. <laughs> uh, or just gratitude in general. But gratitude towards Jesus will transform you. Gratitude towards Jesus will lead to life more full. In her book, A Thousand Gifts, and takes on a habit of gratitude, and she uh, writes down all these things, these beautiful gifts that she sees in life. And they're things that, one, she's, she's an artist and a writer, and she sees things, and then the words that she puts to them, you begin to see the beauty too. <laughs> you know, otherwise, it looks to me just like a, a nice fall scene out the window, and yet you hear her describe it, you think, oh yes, that is beautiful, and that is worthy of giving thanks. This morning, I'm calling us, I'm encouraging us towards a thankful way to cultivate gratitude. The Greek word is eucharisto, or eucharist, which we talk about, you know, sometimes is the word for communion or Lord's Supper. But the verb is eucharisto, which means to give thanks, to be be grateful. And keeps calling it the Holy Grail, the secret to life more full, a life lived with joy. It renews our relationship with God, changes our relationship with people around us. Tracy and I, we are giving thanks now. And the worry, and I don't mean this to sound like a pitch, but it is true. The worry, the fear that I have is almost gone. Now granted, it's been almost 10 years now, and so maybe the trust is building, but I think it also, the turning point for me was consciously giving thanks the moments right now, rather than worrying about how sad I would be when they were gone. I would encourage you as well, like even in our church, in this church, it's very easy. We live in a culture, like we come from consumerism. We often think about critiquing things. Oh, here's everything that's wrong. (laughs) And I encourage us today to begin or to continue giving thanks even for our brothers and sisters, even for this church. Even when I know that there's not, well, maybe this one's one in a thousand or one in a million, that is, everything is going well and perfect, but probably not. That we continue to give thanks for our church family. I encourage us to walk in this grateful way. Today, yes, but also tomorrow, this week, 
try it for this month. Practice this the rest of your life. To live this life more full, giving thanks, practicing gratitude to Jesus. Amen. Happy Thanksgiving.